Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about martial law, why the word vaccine is related to cows, and what you call it when you scavenge little bits of food for dinner instead of making a whole meal. Let's get started. One of our listeners wrote in to say that he'd been seeing the phrase martial law misspelled quite a lot as M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L law. It should be spelled M-A-R-T-I-A-L, as in related to war, warriors, or the military. The word comes from the medieval Latin martialis, meaning something related to Mars, the god of war. Martial law describes a situation in which the rule of law is enforced by the military rather than local police. This usually happens in an emergency, like a zombie apocalypse, when citizens are in panic mode and local law enforcement can't maintain public order and safety by themselves. They need federal troops to step in and help. Martial law has been imposed in the United States in the past. During the War of 1812, Andrew Jackson imposed martial law within a four-mile radius of his camp in New Orleans. In 1934, the governor of California placed the docks of San Francisco under martial law after a dock workers' strike. President Lincoln tried to put the entire U.S. under martial law back in the Civil War, but the Supreme Court said it was a no-go. So let's jump back to the accidental spelling of Marshall as M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. This is a great example of an eggcorn. An eggcorn appears when people replace the right word with a different word that sounds the same and that makes logical sense in its place. The name comes from a woman who thought the word acorn, the nut from an oak tree, was eggcorn which kind of makes sense if you think of an egg as something that grows into a bigger organism. One common egg corn is for all intensive purposes, used in place of for all intents and purposes. And another is old-timer's disease, used in place of Alzheimer's disease. In this case, martial law kind of makes sense because folks could assume the concept was created by George C. Marshall— Marshall was the U.S. Chief of Staff during World War II and one of the most decorated military leaders in American history. He was also the mastermind behind the Marshall Plan. That was the U.S. program that provided aid to a devastated Western Europe after World War II. So Marshall Plan, Marshall Law, it kind of makes sense. On a silly note, the phrase martial law, spelled M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, recently got major attention when Florida Senator Marco Rubio asked citizens via Twitter to, quote, please stop spreading stupid rumors about martial law, unquote. Seizing on his typo, people immediately created memes featuring Marshall Mathers, also known as the rap artist Eminem, photoshopped into a police uniform. Of course, Eminem's fans misunderstood, thinking these memes meant that a new Eminem album was on the way. Eminem himself finally had to step into the fray, relaying to his fans on Twitter that, sorry, but martial law involving him was, quote, not a thing, unquote. So that's your tidbit for today. Marshall is spelled M-A-R-T-I-A-L. 
It relates to the military, and therefore martial law is law enforced by the military, not the local police. That segment was written by Samantha Anslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. A vaccine is the fluid they inject into you, or the aerosol you inhale. It's the preparation of an inactivated microbe or virus that stimulates an immune response that helps protect you from disease. For example, a nurse could say, the vaccine arrived yesterday. Picture a tube of liquid. A vaccination is the shot you get. It's the introduction of the vaccine into your body. You get a vaccination when someone administers the vaccine to you. A nurse could say, we can start giving vaccinations now, or we run a vaccination clinic. We typically think of a vaccination as something that protects you from getting sick if you encounter a bacteria or virus in the future. That's how the flu vaccine works. It won't do any good if you get a vaccination after you already have the flu. But occasionally, scientists also use the words therapeutic vaccine to describe a treatment that triggers an immune response after a person has been infected with a virus or after a person has developed cancer. For example, researchers have worked on Ebola vaccines that might do both, help people resist infection and respond better after they've been infected. Provenge is a therapeutic vaccine that's been approved for prostate cancer treatment. And this is the part that I thought was really interesting. The word vaccination was first used in the 1800s to refer to the injection of the cowpox virus to give people immunity to smallpox, a more severe related disease. In fact, the word vaccine comes from a Latin word meaning from cows. Now, as many of you know, I've been dabbling in learning Spanish, but I hadn't learned the word for cow yet. Well, a friend told me that it's vaca, which clearly comes from the same Latin root. So now I'll be able to remember that better, too. I'll just think of cowpox and the vaccine, and then I'll remember that vaca is the Spanish word for cow. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, it was Louis Pasteur who popularized the use of the term vaccine more broadly in the late 1800s to refer to any formulation that prevents disease in this way. But in summary, remember that the vaccine is the liquid or preparation itself, and a vaccination is the act of administering the vaccine. Instead of a single familect story this week, I'm going to share a bunch of words that different families use for the same thing. A science educator named Dr. Alex Evans put out a call on Twitter asking people what they call, quote, a dinner that's just a lot of small bits of food you've scavenged from the kitchen, unquote. He said his family calls it a snack platter, and his wife's family calls it a picky tea. My family calls this grazing, but I retweeted this post and got a lot of interesting answers. Other people also call it grazing or foraging, but people also call it picking, piecing, improvising, scavenging, a free-for-all, a picnic, a picky dinner, having small, small things, lots of little things, mouth salad, if it's just veggies, bob's bits, a variation of bits and bobs, 
what you got stew, mishmash, a freezer buffet, a whatever dinner, and here's a fancy one that multiple people said, tapas. There were also many versions of something like you're on your own, including calling it every man, as in every man for himself, and FFY, as in fend for yourself. And the last one that made me laugh went like this. What do you call it? Normal. (laughs) And I have to admit that it used to be pretty normal for us, too. We'd usually eat out for lunch and then graze for dinner. But now I'm making a lot of meals, or at least what is supposed to pass as a meal, because I am not the best cook. Multiple people also noted that there's a difference between eating the food alone while standing or walking around the kitchen, which is more likely to be called something like grazing or foraging, and eating the same food if you put it on a plate and eat it at the table with family, which is more likely to be called something like having leftovers, manager's choice, or a throw-together. It occurred to me that family dialects might be a fun thing to talk about with your kids if you're having to homeschool them right now. If you want some background, I did a whole segment on it about a year ago, and you can find that on my website at quickanddirtytips.com by searching for family slang. I talked about why my family calls ficus trees Normans. And then if you have a good story, you can call it in to 833214GIRL. That's 833-321-44475, and you might hear it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>